Hey, and welcome to the Friendly Veg Podcast, a show where we explore the social side of being vegan. I'm your host, Serena. I've been vegan for 11 years. I've been vegan as a student and in multiple countries and now as a working professional, and I'm so excited you're here. Today, we have my friend Mo, aka Vegan Kung Fu, joining us. I'm so excited for Mo to be here today because not only is he an incredible, kind human, but he was also one of the first friends I met on TikTok. Mo is an entrepreneur and runs his own kung fu school, which is so cool. He also has a great sense of humor, which he uses to disarm vegan trolls, and he's an experienced vegan activist. From my conversation with Mo, you can expect the following main takeaways. One, how Mo was burnt out from vegan activism, but found a way to do a new form of activism in starting a vegan group at his work. Two, what are white supremacy values and how do they impact veganism? Three, how Mo sets boundaries when dealing with vegan hate, both online and in person. As somebody who deals with a lot of vegan hate, also feels quite burnt out with regards to veganism, and is exploring their cultural identity, I'm really excited. I really enjoyed my conversation with Mo. He's a really fun, grounded guy to talk to, so I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed filming it. Now, before we get into my conversation with Mo, I want to give a shout out to Pluto Toad, who let a comment on the video for episode 9, where I talked about why you're always hungry as a vegan, and is this a common excuse to just go back to eating meat? So Pluto Toad commented on YouTube saying, it's a valid excuse. When I was vegan, I made two cups of oats with protein powder and fats all the time, complete protein slash fat slash carbs but was hungry an hour later. Not everyone can be vegan. There's articles that even say this much due to genetics and precursor vitamins and plants being harder to convert. People have genes that make it harder, about 45% to be exact. So Pluto Toad, I really appreciate your comment. I'm not quite sure about the 45% um, stat that you brought up, but I really appreciate you noting that, yeah, not everyone can be vegan. Mo will actually talk a little bit more about this in the episode, so listen on. Anyways, thank you again, Pluto Toad. And if you would like to support me, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or leaving a comment on YouTube like Pluto Toad did. I would really appreciate it. And with that, let's get into my conversation with Mo. Hey, Mo, how are you? I'm doing well, Serena. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. So I had a vegan barbecue last night that I think I may have mentioned to you. I wrote in the Friendly Veg Discord server that I was a bit nervous about it because I didn't do a good job of telling people to bring vegan food only. I was a bit too passive and didn't say, hey, no one bring meat, please. But in the end, last night, nobody brought meat. It was a vegan barbecue. It was very successful. And I'm very grateful for my friends for respecting me and respecting my veganism. So I'm curious... What's something that you're grateful for that's happened recently in your life? Ooh, um, I'm pretty grateful for uh, for my students. Um, we, we have a big event coming up this next weekend. My instructor's coming out. Every year he comes out to, to teach a seminar and, and test my students. And we had a really good showing on our practice tests this past Wednesday. Um, everyone did really well. We had a really big black belt panel to come support the testing students. So I'm really grateful for that. That's awesome. Yeah, I love starting off conversations with gratitude. 
with that, let's get into it and I'll start asking you some questions about your vegan journey. Sounds great. I want to start with talking about your vegan story and I'd love for you to think back to when you went vegan and what was your world like back then. So what even was your view on veganism at that time before you went vegan? So I got introduced to veganism back when I moved to Colorado, almost what now, 10, 15 years ago. And I was always interested in vegetarianism, even as a kid. So when I heard about veganism, it didn't really surprise me too much. You know, I kind of was more curious about it and wanted to learn more about it. And um, in Colorado, I mean, they had a really big vegan community where I was at um, in my grad school. And then I joined Kung Fu at that time too. And so both of my instructors are vegan, my Kung Fu instructors. What kind of made, gave me the turning point was when I heard, overheard my instructor talking to another student about milk and saying, legally 30% of your milk is allowed to be pus. And that was the moment I was like, you know, I think it might be time for me to transition to veganism. Yeah, that's so gross. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess you could say that that was the inciting incident that led you to go vegan. So you had your yeah Kung Fu instructors who were vegan and then you just heard yeah, this disgusting stat, but did it take you sort of like, did you go vegan overnight or how long did it take for you to transition at that point from vegetarianism? Yeah, it took, it took me, um, a few years. I think it took me about four years to, to do the transition. I, I thought that, um, that night when I heard that, I was like, all right, I'm going to go vegetarian first and I'm going to slowly transition to veganism because I thought that was a natural transition, right? You just get rid of meat first and you get rid of dairy and eggs later. So yeah, so it did take me quite a while to, to make the full transition. Yeah, that makes sense. And actually it's interesting to me because I've had a lot of people comment on videos that I post being like, hey, I think actually you should try to transition as fast as possible. That's the best for the animals, like just do it. But I think, yeah, based on my experience and from what I hear you just saying, it's sort of like, well, transitioning to a vegan lifestyle as fast as possible would be ideal, but it's often just not that practical. I'm curious for you, so why did it take you about four years to transition? Like, what was that? Like, what was stopping you from doing it overnight? Yeah, for me, it was really the social aspect. Um, you know, I was worried about what my family was going to think, what my friends were going to think. Will I be able to spend time with them at all? And then all even the myths about veganism, like you're not going to get enough protein or you're going to not get enough calcium or whatever it may be. You know, I was like really cautious about all that kind of thing. And so I think that's what helped or what prevented me in a sense to slowly transition to veganism. I'm curious now about the state that you're at with your veganism. So I recently learned about the two different kinds of veganism. So there's a minimalist approach and there's also the abolitionist approach. So I first came across this concept of abolitionist veganism when I was living with a roommate who actually worked for the company that puts on Vegandale, that popular vegan festival that happens like every summer, I think like Toronto, New York, Chicago, maybe Austin, something like that. And my roommate was saying that the people who run Vegandale, they are abolitionists. And what that means is that they, you know, if you had to choose or whatever they're striving towards, it's 10 people eating vegan 100% of the time is better than 100 people eating vegan 10% of the time. Whereas the minimalist approach is the opposite. It's sort of like, People should do their best. People don't need to fully go vegan. You're not even as a minimalist vegan expecting people to fully make the transition. It's sort of just like do the best you can do. 
And I would say that I'm more a minimalist, but what about you, Mo? Are you a minimalist or an abolitionist? I consider myself an abolitionist. Um, my goal is to eventually move to a state where you know, people do go 100% vegan and stop viewing animals as products. Um, but I do recognize that you know, it will take steps to get there. Um, so you know, if people are transitioning and it's taking them time, you know, I'm not going to bash that, of course. But I do ultimately want to move to that almost 100% vegan um, world. Yeah, that would be nice, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And I feel that abolitionists seem to be the ones who are more likely to go out and do that activism because they feel so strongly about it. I mean, it's not that I don't feel strongly about veganism as someone who takes a more minimalist approach, but doing street activism isn't something that I've ever felt drawn to. And I've actually been reflecting on it lately, and I think I feel like somewhat a bit of judgment towards people who do activism that's so outright and I think it's because I'm reflecting like society's views on that sort of thing and so I hate that and I'm trying to work on it because I think every kind of activism is valid and we need both people who are going to be quiet and we need people who are going to be more outspoken but I know you've done a lot of different activism can you share a bit more about what you have tried in the past yeah um, I did kind of start off with the street activism um, approach I started when I went to an animal sanctuary. So when I first went vegan, it was all for health. And then I started learning more about animal agriculture. I went to um, an animal sanctuary locally to us, Piedmont Farm Animal Refuge, and did a volunteer day with them. And I got a tour of the, the sanctuary and, and they told us all about what happens to the animals in the industry from you know how sheep wool is collected to um, what happens to uh, chickens when they're producing so many eggs and, and things like that. And I met a lot of activists through that, and so some of them were going to a vigil where you stand outside of a slaughterhouse and you uh, basically document the conditions of animals going into slaughterhouses, um, try to comfort them you know, with water or anything else like that. And I've, I've been to a few of those, and then I've done things like disruptions where I've gone into uh, grocery stores or restaurants and you know, we do speak outs and, and things like that. So those were kind of like the first part of my vegan journey. I ended up kind of getting burned out just because at the time I was working full time. I was running my Kung Fu school, just getting it started and, and then doing all this activism. So I had to find a way to basically take care of myself without, you know, continually burning out like I was. And especially going to vigils and doing all these speak outs in restaurants. I mean, it was, it was taking a toll on me and it's, Again, like you said, you know, I'm not against those type of activism, but it's not something that resonates with me in my forms of activism. So I decided to figure out what works for me and what works for my time. And that's when I started making my veganism, vegan activism at my, at my workplace, where it kind of started off with one group and then I started forming my own group uh, over time. And, and yeah. I totally feel what you mean about the sort of burnout that you may have felt or that you did feel and the, I guess, like emotional aspect too. I've noticed that since I've gone vegan, so it's been a while, for a lot of my life now, I've been very emotional. And I think it's because really knowing what happens to the animals and also just being more aware of like life, like other life, because um, obviously veganism isn't just about, you know, non-human animals, it's about everybody. It's just, I feel so horrible knowing that there's so much suffering and I just, yeah, like I cry so easily. I even get emotional 
when I'm at the airport and I see other people reuniting with their family. Like I just start crying when I see that. So, <laughs> but I'm curious, can you tell us more about the vegan workshop you ran at your work? Cause I think that is so cool. I think being able to stand up in front of your work, your colleagues and make a difference that way. It's yeah, really inspirational. And I know it all started around earth day a few years ago, right? Yes, it started around Earth Day a few years ago. Um, I saw a sign outside of our cafeteria that talked about all the different ways you can do better for the Earth, like don't use as much water or turn off your lights when you leave the office and things like that. And there's an email address that was on the poster, and so I decided to email the email address and tell them, you know, I have a little bit of experience with climate information and, and things like that and things we could do better about it. And so the director of our environmental health and safety group contacted me and said she was going to be in town and she wanted to meet with me. And so I, I gave her a little presentation about some of the things I've experienced, some of the things I've collected from like Cowspiracy and other uh, sources like that. And she came to me and told me that they're trying to start this like grassroots environmental group where, you know, employees can propose different projects that they can work on that will help improve our environmental impact at work. And so she asked me to be in charge of that group. Um, so I did, and kind of the first thing I did was get connected with the cafeteria group to talk about um, veganism. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't very well received. And it started getting to a point overall where the group I was in was just kind of trying to minimize my message because I really wanted to be animal-centered focused with the additional information about health and environment. But they were not on board with that, so I decided to create my own group which ended up having about 120 members, and we brought in speakers to talk about the different aspects of veganism. Um, we started with the health aspect around New Year's, so that kind of entices people since they're trying to make change at that time. Um, that about had about 90 participants in the, in the presentation. Uh, we had an environmental talk, which had about 40 participants in it, and then one about animal ethics. We brought in our Again, from Piedmont Farm Animal Refuge, Lenore, who, who runs the sanctuary, she came in and talked about the animals of the sanctuary. And we also partnered with them and another sanctuary, Ziggy's Refuge, to do some work days so that employees can sign up for a work day and they can go out and volunteer and then get a free tour of the, of the different sanctuaries in the area. And so, so yeah, we, I did that for a couple of years before I ended up, uh, unfortunately, leaving the company to run my kung fu school full time. I think that's amazing. First of all, I think it's amazing that you actually reached out to the higher ups at your company and said something. And I also think it's amazing that you're an entrepreneur. And I know I've told you this and I yeah, just think that's so cool and admirable. But taking a step back or sort of backtracking a bit, when you first sent that email to say, hey, I'm Mo, I know a lot about the environment and I think there are things that you're sort of missing out on. Were you nervous? Because I would just feel so nervous to send that email. My heart would be beating and I would probably send the email and then just turn off my computer and walk away and try to forget about it. <laughs> I don't remember being nervous about it. I think I was at the point where I was like, I was just so fed up with like the state of the world and all the things I've seen. That I was like, I'm just good. Whatever happens, happens. And I was at the point too. I was like, you know what? If I get fired, I get fired. I have a Kung Fu school to run. <laughs> maybe That's that, true. Maybe that'll yeah. push me to do Kung Fu full time. <laughs> Yeah, and you left anyways, so it works. You so, made yeah. a positive impact and left and yeah, left something positive as you walked out. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> you said that also the cafeteria staff, it, it wasn't very sort of well-received, asking them to do vegan meals. And then you also mentioned that 
the initial group that you were working with at work, they didn't like your sort of animal focused message. So what sort of message were they trying to convey? And why did you strike such a chord with them by being like, hey, let's focus on the animals? The cafeteria crew, um, I mean, they just they just didn't want to hear anything about veganism. They said, the most we'll do is, because they did have vegan options, they said, we'll just label our items vegan as appropriate. The, I think one of the reasons why some of the other group members were wanting to kind of water down the animal-centered focus was because here in North Carolina, we have a very heavy animal farm area. And some employees have family members that are farmers and, and things like that. And so they were worried that, you know, I'd be offending too many people with that message. You know, they don't want anyone to feel bad or anything like that. So that's, that was one of the main reasons why they were kind of worried about that, which to me, I thought about it later. I don't, I don't know why I never made this argument, but we don't allow people to smoke on site. And a lot of people's <laughs> family members are tobacco farmers. So it's like, why, why is it okay to do one, but not the other? But I never thought of that when I, when I went through it. But in, and then I ended up making my own vegan group anyway. So I was like, I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah. Why is it okay to do one and not the other? <laughs> Recently, I got a comment on one of my videos on TikTok, I think, and I forget what I even said, but some hater was like, oh, stupid vegans, you just pick and choose what life you deem valuable. And I actually have prepared a response for in like a future video where I reply, where I say, isn't that just what meat eaters do? Why do we love dogs, but we eat pigs? And why is a steak delicious, but horse meat is revolting? Is that not picking and choosing? And yeah, I just really don't understand the logic of people sometimes, unfortunately. But yeah, so going back to your workplace where you had this vegan group that you started, you ended up making a huge impact. In the end, there were about 120 members, you said, in your group. You ran it for about two years and... Yeah, people actually went vegan from it, right? Which is amazing. And if, if anything, if people didn't go vegan, I'm sure you introduced this concept of veganism to them. And who knows, maybe some of your old colleagues actually are vegan now and you just don't know it because you made such a positive impact. And I know that your vegan activist journey didn't stop there. You did leave the company to focus on your Kung Fu school but you started working with the Peace Advocacy Network where you led the Vegan Pledge Program and you also have been leading the Vegan Activist Academy. So can you tell us more about how you got involved with PAN and what your work with them looks like? Yeah. About a year into um, running my school full-time, um, I decided just to look for a part-time job to help supplement you know, my income and other things, but also do something that I'm passionate about. And so I started looking at vegan job boards online and looking only for fully remote work because one of the things I realized after I quit my job was that I was burned out from overworking myself in uh, going to, to a workplace, coming back, then going to class. So I wanted something fully remote. I wanted something that I'm passionate about. And so I eventually found Peace Advocacy Network on a vegan job board, and they were hiring for a vegan activist training coordinator to basically develop a course for them to train people in vegan activism and, and uh, you know, encourage them to, to do things for their community. So I applied and I ended up getting the job. And, um, and so that was my main focus. That's been my main focus with PAN is the Vegan Activist Academy, but I've also done the Vegan Pledge program as well. 
So to kind of talk about the two programs, the Vegan Pledge program is a 30-day program where, um, as you mentioned, you were doing a cooking demo with our group and you've mentored for our group as well. It's a 30-day challenge. We meet once a week for five meetings. Participants learn about different aspects of veganism. Um, they get to the cooking demos. They get recipes. Uh, they get to reach out to their mentor if they need any assistance. They, the commitment is that they do stay vegan for those 30 days. And the hope was that they would continue on afterwards. And um, we did a survey of the, the groups in the past few years. And about, I would say, I think it was about 65% of individuals that took the program said they wanted to become activists or started to become activists. And so that's where the idea for the Vegan Activist Academy came from. We ended up making a about eight to 10 week program where whether it's a new activist or somebody that's a seasoned activist can work on some skill sets to help their vegan activism, kind of figure out what they want to be, who they want to be as an activist. You know, what kinds of activism are out there? You know, we just talked about street activism, but activism can be a wide variety of things. It could be art, it could be social media, it can be so many things, making recipes and things like that. So, um, so yeah, so those are the two main programs that we run at PAN. That's really interesting about the different kinds of activism that is mentioned in the Activist Academy at PAN, because I yeah have just been thinking more about my activism that I do as someone who posts on social media. And I think a lot of people, when they think vegan activists, they think of people who go out and do street demonstrations. But you're totally right. There's other forms of activism. And yeah, even something like promoting plant-based eating through recipes is activism. But interestingly, I do, through Friendly Veg, get hate from other vegans sometimes saying, hey, you're not talking about the animal aspect enough. You're not a vegan activist. And I really don't like that because I don't think that we should tear each other down as vegans. We're all moving towards the same goal. But I really like how Pan's approach seems to be sort of very inclusive of all the different forms of activism or and all the different forms of veganism. Right, exactly. And, um, you know, to your point, you know, when people are kind of bashing each other for their activism, I mean, unless somebody's being problematic, you know, it doesn't matter what type of form of activism you do because people are going to resonate with different things. I've been to disruptions where everyone was super upset. I've done disruptions and then people come out after us and ask us more questions and they're like curious about what we're doing and everything like that. So it just really depends on, on the person and knowing your audience and, and everything like that. And I, I think that's one of the interesting things I learned, even putting the academy together, you know, with my cohorts, is that there's not one right way to do things. And that comes from what we, what we call white supremacy values, right? There's this idea that everything has to be done the, right, the same way. Right. I've heard so many activists say, oh, if we all just did this, then we can, the world will become vegan. But you don't know that. And not everyone's going to resonate with that approach. Right. Or this idea that everyone has to be perfect. You know, perfectionism doesn't exist, as, a, as I've learned in you know, the past few years and, and things like that. So, you know, there's, there's so much more to activism than, than what we have uh, allowed social media and, and other media to, to show. Yeah, thanks for bringing up this concept of white supremacy values. Can you tell us more about this? Because I'm trying to learn more about it, not just with regards to veganism, and also just sort of figuring out who I am as someone who's mixed race. I often feel very conflicted about it. Um, but what would you say the definition is of white supremacy values when it applies to veganism specifically? Yeah, so when it comes to veganism specifically, 
um, it's in, in general, I would say it kind of ignores the human piece and, and the societal piece of, you know, oppression saying things like plant-based foods cheap, but some places don't have access to plant-based food as easily as other places, you know, that's ignoring that. And it's that same thing. Like you were mentioning, we all have to do the same type of activism. You know, we, we don't, or it's, it's things like, um, bashing people for not being perfect. You know, we're, we're not going to be perfect and it's, it, we we're going to make mistakes and, you know, we're not always going to agree with each other on everything, but we should uh, show compassion to each other. Yep, exactly. I think we all, if I can say, we all just need to be nice to each other. <laughs> in a way, yes. I'm okay with, yeah, I'm okay with phrasing, using just in that sense. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of being nice to each other, so that's one thing I've realized that people really are not, especially once I've, or once I started posting on social media, there's a lot of hate that I receive and the hate used to really get me down a lot. I think Recently, I started posting clips of this Friendly Veg podcast on Instagram, and I've been getting a lot of hate, and that's been getting me down a bit, and I had to stop reading a lot of the comments for a while. But it's getting better now. I need to remind myself that people only try to bring down other people who they feel are doing more than them. So I'm wondering, how do you deal with hate? Because like I said, I just don't respond. I don't engage. But I think you have a different approach, right? Yeah, and I was kind of the same way at first. One of the reasons I didn't want to get into social media activism or even trying to blow up in social media or anything was because I was worried about the hate. Even when I started my activism journey early on, you know, I was worried about, well, what will people say? What if there's something that somebody says and I don't know the answer to it and everything like that? And over time, as I started to post more on social media, I started getting a lot of that hate and I would explain to people, you know, you know respond to them and everything like that. And I was just, again, putting too much energy into people that I don't want to put energy into. So what I started doing was asking people questions. So like, maybe they have a point. Let's see what their, what their response will be. And they'll just say the same thing over and over again. The biggest one was I was showing like vegan meat products and they're like, well, aren't you promoting the use of animals? And I asked them, well, what do you mean by that? And they're like, you're just promoting the use of animals. And he kept saying it over and over again. Now I can make an explanation video. And they said it again. And so that's when I started getting sarcastic. And I was like, nah, I'm not going to take this seriously. And uh, just started making these funny videos. Just saying, you know, I don't really care what you have to say. <laughs> um, if you're not going to take... Because I'll, I'll give people a response if, if they're being serious. I'll give them a serious response if, if they legitimately want to have a conversation. And so I started making rules for myself in terms of responding to people. You know, one is I only give, if, if I can't tell that person's not being serious, I'll only give them one response and that's it. Because then they're just taking up my time. Unless they're going to pay, pay me a bunch of money for my videos, I'm not spending my time on them. That's been a big help for me, you know, because then that way that person's not coming back over and over and over again to my videos to, to you know, keep bashing whatever I do and, and things like that. Sometimes I won't respond at all if I don't want to, because like you said, you know, it's not worth the time. They're probably not going to come back anyway. If you don't give them, it's like any kind of bully. If you don't, if you just ignore them, they'll just go away eventually, right? So those are kind of been my two main rules with uh, kind of the social media activism and even in person. You know, if somebody wants to have a conversation, I've had this happen and they'll try to drag on a conversation with me and I'll just end a conversation and say, no, I don't want to talk about this or have a good day. This is, this is all I have to say. Yeah, well done setting those boundaries. It's very hard to set boundaries online and also 
in person i don't know which one is harder because in person you're in the moment but online you have a bit more time to think about what the perfect response might be to a troll and equally they're thinking about the perfect response to you uh, you stupid vegan and all that stuff <laughs> but yeah so moving towards wrapping up a bit one thing i really want to touch on is again how cool i think you are that you are an entrepreneur how did you get started with running your own studio so I lived in Colorado for a few years for grad school and did my Kung Fu training during that time. And then I ended up having to move back to North Carolina for uh, work just to find, find a job. Um, but I kept going back to all of our events to keep up my training and to continue um, getting, going through the belt levels and everything like that. You know, I went back so much that my instructors asked me if I wanted to start a program here in North Carolina. So that way it'll be an extra help for me to, uh, you know, continue my training, teaching helps, you know, as, as you maybe experienced teaching veganism, right? You learn a lot more about yourself and, and, uh, and you remember, remember things better and, and things like that. And so that's how it all started. And we have a group of instructors that we all teach in different locations throughout the U.S. We even have a school in Barcelona, Spain, so we have like a really good support system. And so I've had it now for a little over 10 years. Congratulations on running it for so long, and I hope it continues for another 10 years. And what is the name of your Kung Fu school if people listening want to check you out or maybe come for a class? It's called the uh, Chinese Shaolin Center of Raleigh. Okay, awesome. Yeah, and we'll make sure to add a link to it in the show notes here so people can yeah, take a look closer. And I know that you've mentioned that you teach about veganism through your school. What does that actually look like? Yeah, so that for me is kind of like, it's more of a passive way of... of uh bringing about veganism. So now all my students know I'm vegan. I don't even know how it started that I even told my students that I was vegan, but now everyone it knows. Slowly it just slowly happens. Yeah. <laughs> it and so they'll, I mean, my students are great. They'll like bring vegan food when we have events and, and things like that. And, you know, anytime I have an event and I want to bring food, I'll just make a, I'll get vegan catering, vegan food catered to our events. But I never tell them anything unless they start asking me questions. I'll wait for them to come to me and ask if, about you know why why I do the things I do or things like that. So I don't actively talk about it. I just let it be more, let it kind of happen on its own. That's great. Yeah, that's positive, quiet activism. And I'm sure since you're the one teaching, I think your students and probably the community around you view you as a role model. And if they know, hey, Mo is vegan, Mo is successful, kind, cool, and I think people are going to be more likely to try it out themselves and then yeah they'll taste the delicious food that you bring to the events and then hopefully will yeah come around to maybe being vegan or eating more plant-based or that sort of thing on their own so i think that's awesome so we're almost at the very end of the session now and before we move on to your favorite hate comment that you've received lately i'm just wondering is there anything else that we forgot to mention or anything you'd like to share about your vegan journey vegan activist journey that we haven't touched on yet? I would say, I mean, I would, the biggest thing for me and as a tip for everybody is really, one thing I've learned over the past few years is really trust yourself and, and trust your process. I think we hold ourselves back a lot, whether it's through activism or through even just transitioning to vegan, that um, you know, we, should, we should be more trustworthy of our intuition and, and our values and, and uh, stick by them. Totally agree. Okay, so now, Share with us, please, what is your favorite hate comment that you've received lately on yeah. vegan kung fu? 
It was, uh, I had posted a video, another sarcastic video, and you know how we get the comments all the time that, why do we make our food look like meat? So I saw these chicken chips, so chips made out of chickens at the grocery store, and so I, I uploaded a video, picture of it and said, why do you make your food look like plants? Why don't you just eat vegetable chips, potato chips? And somebody came on and said, potatoes aren't vegetables, vegetable chips are an entirely different thing. I'm like, I, I'm not responding to that. I don't even know where to go, where to That's go with like, this. It's like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done now. <laughs> oh, man. I just wonder, with the person who made that comment, do they, do they know they're being silly or are they being serious? It's hard to know, right? It's hard to know. That's, that's one of the things where I've realized is when I've asked people questions, I'm realizing that they heard one person say it and then they think it's a thing, it's a thing to say to vegans, you know, just to make them upset and then... You make somebody upset, you get a reaction out of them. You get noticed because your comment was the one that got the reaction. I think that's where it all comes from a lot of the times. I don't think most people really care about what they're saying. It's almost like, I look at it like code. It's like if you see, see vegan say this. So it's like AI without the I. I love that. <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. I think people will just repeat things that they hear because they think it's the thing to say. And so before we finish, Mo is there... Any call to action on your end and where can people find you if they want to follow your vegan journey and see some of your sarcastic videos? Yeah, I post a lot of my videos on TikTok. Most of my videos are on TikTok, vegan, at Vegan Kung Fu. I've been posting a little bit more on Instagram as well, same, same username, Vegan Kung Fu. And I've recently joined Clapper. I, I haven't been as active on there, but I'm also oh, Vegan nice. Kung Fu yeah. on there too. <laughs> That's great. And you stream on Twitch, too, Oh, right? yes, I do stream on Twitch. It's also Vegan Kung Fu. I'm Vegan Kung Fu everywhere. So nobody better steal that username. <laughs> Hopefully not. Maybe you'll find there will be like a Vegan Kung Fu period person who's going to try <laughs> to steal your identity. Oh, no. You never know. could be one you of your haters. Know. The potato True. is not a vegetable person is going to come back. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mo, for your time. And yeah, hope you had fun chatting about everything vegan activist related and your vegan journey and all the trolls. I had fun. I learned a lot. And yeah, appreciate you. I definitely enjoyed it. And, and thank you for having me here, Serena. So I hope you enjoyed listening to that episode with Mo as much as I enjoyed filming slash recording it with him. I learned a lot from him, but I think the main three takeaways would be First, if the form of vegan activism you're doing, if you're doing activism in the first place, if it's burning you out, that's okay. You can find some other way of promoting a vegan lifestyle. Two, the goal in your veganism is not to be perfect. None of us are perfect. And I think this is something that I repeat all the time because it's very important for us to realize that perfection is not the goal. Progress is the goal. Three, it's very important to set boundaries. So for example, my boundary is that I don't even engage with vegan trolls. Mo's boundary is that he engages with vegan hate once, and then he'll just leave it after that, after it's not serving him. And that's it for today. So if you made it this far, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, leaving a comment on YouTube. I read all of them, and I really appreciate you. Finally, if you're looking to make new vegan friends, please come join the Friendly Vegans and Friends Discord. The link to join is in the show notes, and I'm excited to see you there. And 
Go follow Mo on social media. He's vegan kung fu. Pretty easy to find. The link to his bios is going to be in my show notes. And you should check him out on Twitch as well. Not many vegans stream on Twitch, but he is one of the few. So check him out. He's pretty fun. And I hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening. Bye.